Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. So as uh, I enter into the higher academia journey with my older daughter, a lot of her male friends like her are looking at schools, they're applying, they're visiting, uh, they're, they're pondering whether or not they should take a gap year. And a lot of them are trying to figure out if they should go to college at all. And as we have talked about before on the podcast, enrollment is down in colleges and universities uh, for men. They have not been going to college in the same numbers as women because uh, there has been what I like to metaphorically describe as an academic castration. Men are taught that they are oppressors. They are taught that they are naturally misogynistic and sexually aggressive. And things like due process do not apply to them uh, in institutions of higher learning. And, And that can be a really tough sell. If you're trying to figure out what you want to do in life and it feels like the first major step you make as an adult, uh, pretty much all of the systems within the institution are dead set against you, that can be incredibly frustrating. Now, add to that all of the mental illness and anxiety that is roiled and baked into uh, everyone's personal pandemic response. And, you know, you, you talk about learners who were kept out of high school for two years and now you know maybe at this point they're barely back in the fray and they are launching themselves headlong into a challenging world so i was thinking to myself you know we focus so much and we talk so much about young women and mental health and social media and how social media companies target young women and, you know, exacerbate things like eating disorders. But we don't talk as much about the fellas because, you know, guys are really seen at this age as the enemy. So how do you survive when the world feels like it is pressing up against you and you're just trying to do your very best in school? There is no one I know who has covered uh, this elements of academia more than Robbie Suave. He's a senior features editor at Reason. He is also the author of Panic Attack, which is a phenomenal book about this very thing and how colleges and universities uh, respond to libertarians and conservatives, especially those of the male variety. So he is going to help us set the table and figure out a back-to-school survival guide for the guys. Robbie Suave, welcome back to Kennedy Saves the World. Thanks for having me. Great to talk with you. So, you know, you go to a lot of colleges and you you see people, you talk to them, you document the hysteria. What is it like for, you know, a, a young guy 
going to college for the first time in this environment? Right now is basically worse than ever uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, a main one being the Biden administration has just changed some rules regarding what you were just talking about, due process and free speech for all students. But this particularly falls on men, young men. Um, if, you know, it's a it's a long story, but the bottom line is during the Obama administration, there was bad guidance to colleges and universities for how they should handle disputes of a sexual nature or harassment. They structured some investigative procedures that were so unfriendly, so unfriendly to people who are accused, which are usually usually men, often often immigrant students, often minority students uh, facing these just Kafkaesque procedures, which is not to say it's you know, it's certainly very important to handle serious accusations and allegations properly. But there was just no no fairness whatsoever in this pre these procedures. The Trump administration, Betsy DeVos, the secretary of education, she changed this to make sure that if you're accused of something, you got to know what it is. You have to have access to an attorney. You have to be able to cross-examine your accuser. We're going to put basic fairness into the proceedings. It was a great reform, um, really should have been celebrated by all people of like a civil libertarian mind, including the ACLU. Now, of course, they trashed it because it's what they do these days. But um, what happened is Biden came to power, vowed to undo the changes that uh, the Trump administration had put into place. Lo and behold, that was announced earlier this summer that um, all of the good guidance was going away, the, the good rules rather, were putting in place bad policies again. You don't even have, if you get accused of something, you don't, you're not even going to be guaranteed the right to know what it is, the right to peruse the evidence against you or be like, informed what the accusation is. You could be totally clueless. You could have no idea what they're talking about and face something that is totally damaging and totally unfair. And, and, and you know, even if it's warranted, even if you're guilty, I'm sorry, I still say you deserve due process rights and you're not going to get them. And that's that's what the situation is now. So how do you survive that? How, how do you go to school? Because, you know, obviously you're leaving your parents' house for the first time. And it, it, this is, you know, for a lot of people their first step into independence. And, you know, it's like we've all we've all seen the college movies. We've all seen old school and Animal House. Maybe you haven't because you're you're quite young. You're you're a very, very tender age, Robbie. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like they always portray college as like just wild bacchanalia Caligula version 3.0. And that's not necessarily how it is when this is what you're up against. And, you know, you bring up a really good point, which you have to somehow prove your innocence, which is due process turned on its head. So instead of, you know, the body having to prove that you are guilty, you somehow with so little information have to prove your innocence. So, you know, if if I'm the mother of a guy going to college, you know, freshman year, I would seriously rethink the entire process. I would certainly, yeah, rethink it. Uh, I mean, be careful. Look, if you have, um, a, a, you know, an experience that's common for a lot of undergraduates, um, uh, a date or a hookup or something where a lot of uh, drinking is involved and later, it was consensual, but later, like, yeah, probably shouldn't have done that. And you mutually have that feeling. Um, you could very well be expelled for that um, if you are accused of something. Uh, and you will, it will, the proceeding, there's no guarantee it will be fair. In fact, it will likely be unfair. So 
be be wary of that and try to <laughs> take great pains to avoid that situation. It doesn't surprise me, you know, even apart from this, this is a very specific issue. It doesn't surprise me that um, fewer men, fewer people in general are thinking college is even worth it. I mean, it's worth it for the social experience, I guess. But the cost is astronomical. I mean, I guess if you're lucky enough, you know, to go and then have your some significant amount of your debt um, just, you know, randomly forgiven without changing anything about the underlying incentive structure that creates all this awful debt for students in the first place. You know, that's a lucky break for you. But so many people realize, look, a college education is valuable, it's certainly valuable. You'd rather have it than not have it. But is it worth going $20,000 into debt? Is it worth going $100,000 into debt? Is it worth you know, spending four, five, six years and lots of debt? No, of course not. (laughs) Especially if you're majoring in something where they're scamming you, where the admissions department, I mean, these universities, they really are engaged in a certain kind of con of trying to convince young people to invest more of their time and financial resources there as long as possible, even though they know there aren't jobs for all of them. There are jobs, but not jobs that pay back that investment. And it is a scam. I'm sorry, but it is a scam. And our entire government policy of promoting it is really suspect. Um, and I know, you know, my friends on the left, they, they'll say, you know, this debt is so is so wrong. And we have to do something about it. But then, like, don't we have to change the system that produces it? I want to change the federal loan system, all the incentives that are pushing people to do this. You know, we got to change that. Like, don't talk to me about forgiving the debt. And if you're not going to change any of the bad government policies that are creating it. Right. It just makes no sense. Don't go anywhere. More Kennedy saves the world right after this. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You know, now universities, um, they have all the more incentive to uh, continue hiring more administrators and fewer professors. And also, I think they do such a gigantic disservice by not doing a basic cost benefit analysis. You know, it's it's really about getting bodies in there and uh, all the rest of it is just superfluous. It's it's really an afterthought. You know, why are you there? What do you want to study? What do you want to get out of it? And these are questions that I have for my daughter. And I also tell her, like, she's the one who has to answer them. You know, this this is now this aspect of her education. This is really up to her. And, you know, it's it's so difficult to conceive of that if you've never been faced with paying this stuff because it is all theoretical. You know, it's, it's all happening. It's all imaginary. And now people are going to college just assume they're going to have their debt forgiven. So they're going to take on even greater burdens. And, you know, I, I wonder what the ramifications are, not only financially and economically for society when you have, you know, that much unfunded debt and just saying, you know, it's magically gone, doesn't get rid of the debt. But also, you know, where does that translate to other aspects of life? You know, if if you are entitled to a free education that poor people pay for, why aren't you entitled to 
a house or a condo and an electric vehicle. Like, why shouldn't the government be giving you that if, if that is going to make the world a better place? If, if we should have zero tolerance for unhoused people, um, what does that do to society? And how does structurally, how how does the university system play into that mindset? Right. And it makes doing that. Uh, I mean, the first thing it's going to do is make the cost of higher education much, much more expensive. And then the people paying for it are not actually the students, but it's us. It's the taxpayers. And Biden, for instance, his in, he, so he's changing it. He wants to move it more. So you're paying, you know, you take out a loan. It's income derived repayment. So you take out the loan and then but you're not paying back the loan. You're going to pay uh, under, I think, the new plan. It's, it's 10 percent of your income for a certain period of time. Discretionary income. Yes. Right. Right. And you know what? That system, I think if it, that system would be OK, it might actually be an improvement if you were just paying it to the college like that. We don't have to involve the taxpayer at all. That's a fine model for how to pay for a university. Uh, Mitch Daniels, uh, Purdue, wanted to do something like that, was, was doing it for a while. But right now we're subsidizing it. So imagine this. If you take out a loan, uh, you borrow the money from the taxpayers, and then you're not paying back the loan. You're just paying back a portion of your income for a period of time. The university could raise, I mean, they could raise the cost to a trillion dollars. Like, like you, then you get a loan for, the, for a trillion dollars. You just pay back 10% of your income. Like that, that will actually break the system. And because then we're paying the trillion dollars, the taxpayers. I, I mean, I think college should be should be made more affordable um, by by state uh, entities exercising some control over the cost of the, the administrative costs. The bloat is it's unbelievable. But there will never be cost control if it's subsidized by the federal government and the taxpayers are paying for all of it. They'll raise the cost even more. So the whole thing is about to become totally and utterly broken, even more than it already is, uh, in a really, really bad way, really bad way. And um, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to do this. It, it's gonna. I mean, there'll be just as much student loan debt in five years as there is now. Um, and so maybe there'll be this periodic jubilee that will that will utterly, utterly wreck the taxpayers. That's really interesting because. Um... It, I don't know a lot of people who are making the case for higher education right now. If if you read if you read about it agnostically, you know, not even through a political lens, but you just you know you you read about some of the discussions and some of the protests that are happening on campuses and how you know it's it's really succumbed to this emotionalism. And, you know, if, if you if you talk about logic and math, you are somehow sexist and racist. That's how ass backward the thinking is. So you have that. Uh, you have the debt system, which is obviously only going to get worse and not better because there will be no auditing of the systems, like of the individual colleges and universities themselves or the way federal, the federal government and these schools interface with one another. There's there's no audit of that system. And then you have uh, the lack of due process based on the emotionalism, which is reinforced in, you know, so much of the Marxist instruction in the classroom. So, you know, it's like, I'm looking at all this, and obviously I can't make the decision for my daughter. She has to decide whether or not she goes to college. But, you know, these these will be 
factors in the conversations that we have. If you had it to do all over again, would you go to school in this environment? I would definitely go to school. Uh, you know, I would do what I did. I, so I didn't take out student loans. I mean, I'm, I went to the state school in Michigan. I went to the University of Michigan. I'm not saying I'm not privileged. My parents helped pay for it. And I, I'm super grateful to them. I would not have at, at the time and certainly not now. I would not have taken out any debt, especially significant debt. I would not tell anyone to take out significant debt to go to college, go to a more affordable institution um, or, 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 you know, take out a small loan if you have to. Do not go massively into debt to go to a more elite, a quote unquote, better school. That is the scam. That is the con. Because guess what? A, a fine school that costs less money the educational quality is really about as good. The reputation doesn't matter nearly as much anymore. And you know what? These elite schools are in some sense poisoning our society. I mean, the values they instill in too many of these young people. We, you know, you talk about the, the things you were saying, the kind of emotionalism and intolerance. Um, so many of the values at elite college campuses, the intolerance for debate and speech, have now have now moved off the campus to so many elements of society, to tech companies, to the business world, to the legal world, to to uh, media companies, um, to enter to entertainment companies. So, you know, they don't want to. Uh, Netflix uh, is now finally going the other way, but right, they don't want to. They're afraid to have uh, controversial or, or or comedic acts because their own employees who've come out of this Ivy League mindset are so offended by everything, and that could repeat itself. With the COVID stuff, I'm sorry, but college campuses, uh, schools in general, are more locked down and more and more masked and more paranoid about COVID than any other aspect of our society. Even though young people are at less risk, so there's there's panic over kind of rhetorical safety, feeling safe from harmful ideas, which you know has been something we've been talking about on college campuses for a long time. But it's true of it's true of COVID itself. Um, that, you know, they're there. I don't I don't want people to go through that environment and then say, oh, wow, society, broader society doesn't have any of these restrictions that I'm accustomed to. We have to force these things on everybody. Um, it, it's to, it's ass backward, as I think uh, you put it a minute ago. It certainly is. Well, Robbie, I can't wait to read more of your research. Um, I know that you will have your hands full this fall as you uh, go and talk to people and you know, visit schools and keep an eye on everything that's happening until then. Like, I just want to go on college visits with my daughter and tell everyone that I'm her older sister to see what that gets me. Cause I'm, I pretty... think you will easily pass for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm Pele's mom. That's what I'll be doing. Well, thank you for this. And on behalf of um, all the guys who are entering college, I hope they listen to this. I hope their parents listen to this. And, you know, maybe the idea of a juicy gap year to really marinate on all this stuff will be more attractive and will ultimately help people. And by the way, if your school, if you're uh, the college or alma mater is engaging in the kind of stuff that is ultimately destructive to society, don't give them any money. You know, that's that may be one tool for changing systemically or systematically how this stuff manifests in people who will ultimately uh, push us in our wheelchairs over a cliff because of generational warfare. Um, Robbie Suave, thank you for being a part of the podcast and thank you for all you do. My pleasure. Thank you. You are brilliant, talented and amazing. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. 
For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.